The scripture that um, I have today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. And the title of the message is Focus on the Unseen. <laughs> Focus on the Unseen. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> How can you focus on something you can't see? And uh, so I want us to think about this for a moment, that we are focusing on something that exists that we just, we just can't see it. Now, you say, well, that, you can't do that. Well, uh, do you ever think about the air you breathe? You can't see it. When you can see it, then you don't want to breathe it. <laughs> you know, if there's smoke in the air, you can see the air. But, you know, you don't want to breathe it because it's, it's polluted, you know. Sometimes, uh, well, I remember years ago driving into uh, Pittsburgh, you know, and the smog from all of the steel mills and things, the smoke, and, you know, it was, well, we got rid of the smog, but we got rid of the steel mills too, so I don't know. Uh, but anyhow, whenever you can see something, you no longer have to believe for it. It's already there. Well, sometimes I think in our lives that we need to recognize that the air is always there or we wouldn't be here. And if there's a vacuum uh, that we um, can't, uh, can't see it or we can't be part of it, it you know, the air's not there, we, we die. I always remember um, we, we put, uh, was, a liquid, was a liquid nitrogen you put in the ground, Cliff? You know, when they pull those spreaders behind and you have these arms that would go down in the ground, you'd put it in the fields. And sometimes you would buy fertilizer, you know, and have the nitrogen fertilizers and throw it out with a spreader. But sometimes we had, we would buy these big tanks, you know, like a, a gas, natural gas that you, they put in tanks that you run your, um, run your furnace off of and things and you keep your furnace going. Well, they would put liquid nitrogen in these, in these tanks and then you had these um, claws that would go down in the ground and you would pull it behind your tractor and you would pull the switch and the nitrogen would go down these hoses and into the ground. Okay, well, I'm driving along and one of these hoses broke. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to breathe when you're in the presence of liquid nitrogen, <laughs> but you can't. And as soon as I heard this big hiss and the wind was just calm enough that it floated up around the tractor and I'm there, <laughs> I shut the thing off, put the tractor in park, and I'm running down through the field trying to find a place that I could breathe. <laughs> so fortunately, I pulled the switch and it shut it off. If I hadn't pulled the switch, it probably would have drained the whole thing right there in the field because you couldn't breathe. So anyhow, if you've ever been in a place where you can't breathe, then you know there's no oxygen. Well, you can't see that there's no air, but you know there's no air. Well, in our lives, we need to focus on that which is not seen. Now, Paul in 2 Corinthians says, he says, So we fix, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. So whenever a message Bible has it, the, thing we, the things we see now are here today and gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. So we are fixing our eyes. Now, whenever you fix, you're, you're focused on a particular object or a particular thing. Now, you have to remember that uh, Paul is the author of this. And Paul, um, he was one of the, the great minds of his time. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was most highly educated. 
uh, maybe one of the greatest minds of his time. So he, he is a very intelligent, he's a very committed, a fiercely committed person to, the, to Judaism and to the law and to following Christ, I mean to following the laws of Judaism. So he was, he was um, out to defend the law. And the law was something that was very concrete. The law was don't do this. And you know, at that time, the Pharisees had hundreds of laws that for doing everything. And Paul, this Saul that we know before, before he became the Apostle Paul, he was this person who understood the law. He had it memorized and his life was down pat. He was probably one of those um, individuals who was super compulsive. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, you had the ceremonial washings, you had, uh, you know, everything had to be structured and you had to have your, your laws in place. You had to have your life in place to match the laws and anything that broke those laws, he was out to straighten it up. You know, he was going to straighten it up and bring it back in line with the law. And so Christianity then, to his th way of thinking, this is Saul of Tarsus, um, Saul was, in his mind, he, was, he saw Christianity as a threat to Judaism because it broke the law. And even though when Stephen was stoned, uh, when Stephen, he, he outlined all of the Old Testament and Paul, the theologian and the scholar of the law, he went along with it until, until Stephen got to the point where he saw and presented Jesus as the Messiah and that there would not be any longer a need for the sacrificial system, which would eliminate all of the priests and eliminate the temple and eliminate all of those things that were so sacred to a part of the law and when when Saul heard these things you know he was ready to kill to imprison to destroy anything that was going to destroy or come against the law and so here is this guy who is so much a black and white person it was right or it was wrong it was in the law or it wasn't and this you know he there was no uh, area of gray for Saul um, but he, he, so whenever we see him writing in 2 Corinthians, fix your eyes not on what is seen. I mean, this is, this is completely out of Paul's <laughs> wheelhouse. It's completely out of his norm from his Saul uh, that he was before he became the Apostle Paul. It's, it's completely out of his way of thinking. Because prior to this, uh, his conversion, he was this hard-nosed, he was this fierce individual. He would face any obstacle. He would face any problem. He would, take it, he would, hit, he would hit it head on, and he would deal with it. The thing that happened with uh, Saul, he met Jesus, and his life changed. But he was still that fierce character. This time, he is fierce for Christ. <laughs> he is... He, he faces his enemies head on. He, you know, the intelligence that he had for keeping the law, he now saw it as the fulfillment of the law in Jesus Christ. So he's, his life is completely turned around. And if, we, if one of the most difficult things, I think, 
for individuals who are very analytical is to, to focus on the unseen. You know, we got we to gotta figure this out. We got to analyze this. We got to put it in. We got to put it in a formula. We've got to put it in a jar. We've got to be able to write out something that it makes it work. And and people who are very gifted, <laughs> the Einsteins and people like that, who are very gifted in their analyz, analyzing and formulas and being able to create, um, they have a very hard time with faith because it just doesn't figure out. Now. G Paul, this Saul of Tarsus, met Jesus, and his life changed. And he went after he saw Christ, his, his understanding uh, switched and went from this uh, commandment, uh, this law-orientated person, to this person of faith who believed in the risen Christ and saw the um, effects of the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, individuals in following Jesus and his whole life was, was turned even so, so much so that his name is called Paul. He changed from one thing to another, from one type of person to another. He didn't lose his intelligence and he didn't give up on his understanding of the Old Testament. He just saw it fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So, so we fix our eyes, Paul says, fix your eyes. Now, <laughs> It's important, you know, if we're going to fix something, uh, we, want to, uh, we want to make it right. We want to repair it. Well, God, in, in the scriptures, Paul is talking about God in, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes about we are fixing our eyes. We are paying close attention to. I want you to listen to what I have to say, right? I want you, there's a, there's a broken pipe, and I want you to fix it. So it's a very specific area it's a very specific thing that paul is telling us here he said i want you to fix your eyes not on what is seen <laughs> now that's quite a i mean you know when you think about this passage of scripture that's quite a very it seems to be a very complex um a very complex issue trying to pay attention to what you can't see what you can't hear, what you can't taste, what you can't touch. Fix your eyes on this. <laughs> now, how can we, f you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna fix my eyes on darkness. <laughs> I'm gonna fix my eyes on light. I'm going to fix my eyes on something that doesn't exist, but does. So, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary and what is seen is eternal. And Paul is referring to our faith and our understanding of Jesus Christ and what Christ has meant to us. Remember last week, Hebrews eleven six. without faith it is impossible to please God. We must believe that God exists. Someone, we don't see him, but yet he does exist and we see him exist in Christ. Then... He is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So Paul, Paul sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. His life changes. Everything changes when he sees Jesus. So this Paul who had a fierce intensity that was against the followers of Christ and against Christianity 
now is a fierce uh, intensity that channels for the gospel of Jesus Christ and which he is looking at how God is at work in the life and he, he becomes known as the apostle to the Gentiles. I mean, before he was, as he was Saul of Tarsus, that he was against Gentiles and Gentiles, they're only, they're only, um, they were only good for the fueling for the fires of hell. I mean, you know, anybody who was not outside of the law was, you know, they're all, you know, they're just basically doomed for the fires of hell. All right? So, but Paul now, after the message of Christ, he becomes this fierce um, uh, messenger for Jesus Christ. So we see, now, question. <clears throat> what often gets our focus is a difficulty that we face, okay? What difficulties are we facing? Uh, what decisions do we have to make? You know, where do we want to go? What do we want to do with our life? Our future is always in front of us, okay? Future is always in front of us. So the difficulty that we face what is the promise then that goes with the difficulty? Lest you think I wrote this from just coming in this morning, I wrote this the other day, so. <laughs> so, um, so focusing on not only we look at what decisions we have to make and where we, where we want to go with our life, you know, and again, I go back to Joseph, and we, and we talked about this in Sunday school, but... <clears throat> God uses every difficulty, every situation to, to, nothing is eliminated, nothing is wasted, okay? No experience is wasted. God can redeem the times. God can redeem our life, redeem any area of our life, and nothing is to, to be considered wasted. Paul, he killed Christians. If they didn't do it personally, he stood by and watched it, watched them, especially if we see that with Stephen. But he was, he was fierce in his trying to destroy the church. Forgetting those things which are behind, I press on to the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is not willing to allow his past to influence his future. So, every obstacle in your life is subject to change. Everything. Why? Because it is what is seen. Everything that is seen will change. You don't think so? Look at some pictures. <laughs> Look at some pictures. You know, and you go through the pic some of those old pictures, and you wonder, who on earth is that? <laughs> you know? So things are subject to change. So, the unseen is the spiritual realm where the promises of God exist. So when we're talking about focusing on the unseen, the unseen is the spiritual realm. Now, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. God's angels are filling this place. The angel of the Lord, there's, there's maybe hundreds of angels here. Holy Spirit, God's presence is here. God's presence is in our life. We don't see it. We don't see him, but he is here. 
It's like the prophet, you know, the, his, uh, his aide was telling them, oh, what are we going to do? We looked outside and the armies of Syria were uh, surrounded them, you know. And the uh, prophet says, don't worry about it. There's more with us than with them. And the, the uh, prophet's uh, aide says, there's two of us and there's an army of them. But he looks out and God had opened his eyes and the angels were, you know, filling the atmosphere and, uh, and uh, the, the, the army became blind and, and the prophet led them back to Jerusalem and, you know, then set them free. But you see, there are more with us. So focusing on the promise is to recognize that we are not in a minority. We are in a majority. So we never operate out of fear, we operate out of faith. And our, our faith is that God will direct us and God will present to us situations that we choose or situations that we don't choose. Joseph didn't choose to be thrown into a pit. He just chose to be the favorite son. <laughs> he didn't chose it. He was, he, was, he was chosen by his father as his favorite son. No? I'm not going to go any further there, but his brothers put him in the pit for it. But he ended up being second in command and of Egypt and saved his family from the drought. God was, in, God was in the process of working things through. You see, in our lives, if God is, God, not if, God is in the process of working things through in our life. Everything in our life fits, works to a good. It fits into the puzzle of life, and it fits there for a purpose. And we just need to re, allow God to redeem that time for good. So the unseen is the spiritual realm where the presence of God exists. The word is alive. The Bible, the scripture is, is living and active, is alive and active. God works through his word in your life. So the word of God um, is alive in us. And so the word of God is that where surrounds the events of our life. The word of God surrounds our heart, uh, our mind, our thinking. The word of God encompasses us. So as we read the word, as we pray the word, as we believe the word and look at the word and allow the word to be part of our thinking and part of our doing, our hands, and doing what the word tells us to do in serving, we find that God will open the door for us. So the word in your life, you see, God works through his word in our life and how that word, how the word will shape, here we go, how the word will shape our thoughts. How the word will shape our thoughts. You see, when we look at obstacles, our mind, our nature, our surroundings will try to tell us one thing. And it can be very real, and it can be very right. I mean, you don't stand out in the middle of the, the, the railroad track and pretend that the train coming towards you is not real. And if I stand here long enough, the, the train will stop in, you know, <laughs> in fat chance. <laughs> you know, you're going to get run over. And our faith isn't that way. Our faith isn't like standing in the middle of a railroad track. Our faith is shaping our thoughts and our expectations, that we are believing that God will work good out of this. That if we're standing in the middle of a railroad track and the, and the train is coming, God will give us enough sense to move. <laughs> okay? 
Well, in the same way with, with everyday life, God and his word will shape our thoughts, but it will also shape our expectations. So what are we expecting from the life that we are facing, the, the life that we are living? Expectations. Not only expectations that come through, you know, if you have um, this um, ability, you have this problem, you have this, that we have an expectation that comes um, well, stand on the railroad track, the expectation is sooner or later you're going to get hit. But the expectation is that sooner or later God is going to fulfill his word that he has put in my heart. God will lead us, God will guide us, God will heal us, God will restore us, God will receive us into heaven, God will bless our lives, God will, um, well, <laughs> I, I, oh, a number of years ago, I, I put together this uh, God You Said uh, and I put together a number of things that God, God had put in, uh, you know, kind of in my heart about expectation. In 2 Corinthians, he said, uh, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So whenever we think of our lives and we think of our deficiencies, God's grace is made perfect in weakness. God is saying, you are weak in this area? Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Because then you can't do it on your own. How precious to me is your, are your thoughts. God, how vast is the sum of them. If you ever think that God doesn't think of you, you're not reading the word. The word says that his thoughts towards us are vast. And the number of them is just, you can't count them. God thinks of each of us that way. For by grace have you been saved through faith and not of works, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. God didn't save us because we're so great. He saves us because of his grace and his mercy and he, he redeems us as his child and as his child, there's no one like us. I don't like the one. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. <laughs> okay, you're his favorite child. All right. This one, Deuteronomy 28.8. The Lord will command the blessings on you. God's commanded blessings on your life will make things happen that you cannot make happen on your own and break barriers holding you back. A commanded blessing. So you see, whenever we are looking at what God wants to do in our life, it's not just about straightening us up and walking right or you're going to, you know, you're going to be fuel for the fire of hell. We are looking at this position, this position of privilege and when we find that it is not what we thought it should be, remember the examples we have in Scripture. Joseph was in prison. <laughs> Joseph was framed by Potiphar's wife and went to prison and he was forgotten. And so for some maybe 20 years, well, I think it's about 13 years. 13, 15 years, he was, in, he was a slave and in prison and then finally made it to the, to, the, to the king. So he went from prison to second in command of Egypt. That's quite a jump. <laughs> Commanded blessing. You see, the idea was God had a purpose for Joseph's life, but he also had a purpose for Jacob and his other brother, for his father Jacob and his other brothers. God had a plan for them. And in order for that plan to be fulfilled, 
Joseph became a slave, became forgotten in prison, and ended up second in command. Now, while he's in prison and while he's a slave, it doesn't appear to be a good deal. (laughs) But you see, there was a commanded blessing coming. He had to be faithful, run away from Potiphar's wife. He had to be faithful, being, using his abilities to lead the prison reform in Egypt. A commanded blessing. And, and the last one I'll read is in Genesis 17.2. I make my covenant, my solemn pledge between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. God has made an agreement with us. God has made an agreement. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Nothing can ever separate you from me. Okay? Life nor death, principalities nor power, things present, things to come, heights nor depth, none of these things can ever come between us. So here we are in this relationship that is sealed by God's agreement that he signed and gave to us. And the only fine print, as it were, stay faithful. Believe. Fix your eyes on what is, on, not on what is seen. Don't pay, don't pay more attention to what you, what you see than what you understand in your heart and in your spirit. We have to count the cost. The Bible says count the cost. Don't pretend that there aren't good and bad to every situation. There are. But the final verdict lies within our heart and with, the, with our spirit, and it's not based upon guilt and manipulation. It's built, it's, it's, it is based upon a promise that God has placed in our heart to see us through, to provide for us, to provide and to allow us to be the provision for someone else. And the provision that we are for someone else may be in our own hands and it may not be in our own hands. When you are fixed on something, you can't be moved. So when I am fixed on God, all these other things don't move me. (laughs) When I am fixed on God's promise, all these things don't move me. Because I see something beyond this. I see God at work in my life and in my surroundings. So there is a determination that fuels our focus. The determination is, I want to believe. I, what's it, what does it say? Um, what was last week's sermon? Whoops, just floated away. We must believe that God exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God desires to bless our life in a way that isn't in this realm of what we see. But it will get to where we see, you know, you know that he will, we have commanded blessings in our life. So when you fix your eyes on the unseen, the promises of God, your faith will not be moved by your circumstances, and you'll eventually see those promises come to pass. And what is the promise that has come to pass? The promise that was in our heart whether it's for God's provision, whether it's for his healing, whether it's for his direction, whether it's for what? What are the needs? 
They are as limitless as the needs. So God is at work in our life, and he is doing a great work in us. <laughs> for I know, the th- this is Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, of, to give you a future and a hope. You see, God is, God is at work for what? God is at work in our life to take us through today and to tomorrow to eternity. Sooner or later, we get to eternity. But until that gets here, we live in a place of peace, a place of promise. And we then are to declare that his promises will come to pass in our life. I pray the promises. So what promise comes over your need? You know, in, um, in the research center, the, the, the person who bought the hospital, uh, he became, uh, he's a research scientist and a doctor. He came up with that, um, the idea, he didn't come up with it, he, he, he um, understood the idea that cancer cells love protein. So what he did was he took chemo and he surrounded the chemo with protein so that the cancer thinks it's eating protein and in reality it's destroying the the cancer cell. Well, you see, whenever we surround the, 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 the difficulty in the promise of God, life comes along and it doesn't die because we eat the promise, it becomes stronger because we consume the promise and the difficulty that was in the promise vanishes. <laughs> that which is surrounding, the problem that is surrounding in the promise, you see, now the promise is greater than the problem. When our sin is covered by the blood, it is washed away. Whenever our sins are listed. When the blood of Jesus Christ comes, it just doesn't erase them. It's a whole new sheet. It's white as snow. So in our life, whenever we face the difficulties, the difficulty is not the object. The promise of God allows us to see the difficulty differently. And that... um, we then have to declare that God, he's, he's working in our life, um, that he declare that we are more than a conqueror, declare that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has a plan, God has a purpose. So in any situation, there is a promise. And we take the promise and cover the situation. And then we go forward, knowing that God will take that problem and make it something different. The life of Joseph, prison, the pit, to slavery, to prison, to the palace. Well, in our lives, the promise is always there. So help us, Lord, to see the promise. Amen? Focus on, focus not on what is seen, but what is unseen. (laughs) And what is unseen? God's provision, God's way of working things out, God's promise.
Amen? Jesus, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. God, we confess our sin and we ask your forgiveness. God, we always want to be in a right relationship with you. Our relationship, Lord, is safe and it is secure in our confession and in your forgiveness. But Lord, your promises are also for our security and for our provision and that you will guide us in the path of righteousness for your namesake. So Lord, we thank you that you have heard our prayers. You will open doors. God, you will close doors. God, you will lead us by your spirit. And Lord, we thank you that your divine provision is always there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, spirit-filled work week. <laughs> Amen.